Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Voles, site manager over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And we finally got the band back together. Uh, all three of us are rolling hard tonight. Brad Wechter, Jude Seymour, fellas, how you guys doing? It's the Triforce. Back, buddy. It's been a while. It's been a minute. So I, I, I want to stay I want to stay pro fresh here and just remind everybody that you can check out everything that we're doing over at OneFootDown.com. You can, we're on Twitter at OneFootDown. Uh, if you still have a Facebook account, you can look at us over there. We are on Instagram, kind of like it's mostly me, but uh, there's a lot of Notre Dame stuff on there at, at OneFootDownSBN. And uh, if you didn't know, hell yeah, we got a TikTok now. <laughs> There's a one foot down TikTok account. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll reach it out to you kids, y'all. Uh, so I, th- I think that's even at one foot down SBN uh, on TikTok too. I, I, I don't know. I barely know what the hell I'm doing over there. It is a crazy place, crazy place. But we are there. This this community is all over the place and, um, and trying to just uh, do what we can to have some fun. You guys get into that TikTok yet? <laughs> I'm, I might be showing my age, but what's TikTok? Yeah, dude. And I'm older than you. Dude, <laughs> it's, a, it's like, look, this is what happened, okay? They took Vine away. Beautiful Vine. That was fantastic, fantastic and perfect. They took Vine away. And so you have this space, this vacuum, and it got filled by this new social media app called TikTok, which is a lot like Vine except the kids took it over. Okay. Like, so it's like a lot of like high school on up to like, I might be one of the oldest people on TikTok. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I don't think that's an exaggeration. And so, I mean, it's a lot of like lip sync thing things. And I it's, it's, but it's, it can be really horrible. And then there, but there's a lot of funny shit on there, but so I don't know. It, it basically it took the place of Vine, uh, which I loved, and it was still I still watch Vine compilations. But anyways, that's what it is. Well, if it's sense. any consolation, I was just lip syncing the fight song, and nobody saw it. So you should record that shit and put it yeah, on but TikTok. Put me on t- TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. Got it. Gene, what do you know about it? You're so quiet over there. Uh, I know the TikTok exists, but you know I'm, I'm, I'm turning 40 in uh, 16 days, so uh, I I have not signed up for my my TikTok. I also know that Nitco <laughs> exists, but I don't know what I don't know what that means. Listen, uh, I told somebody else about this the other day, just a friend of mine, and he he said, "Yeah, I heard about that." He was, "I heard it was young." I was like, "My advice is see braces, swipe up," which is like to like move on. Like, it's like up oh, young, up oh, young. There's a lot of kids on there, but there's some funny shit. But you, but it's like you start to see like the NFL swoop in, like so. There's the NFL account. I mean, it's like the fastest growing thing out there, right? And so I thought, well, might as well. But anyway, so enough of all that nonsense. We actually write articles um, and post them on a website, which is pretty old school, but it still gets done. And we, hey, and we record a podcast, uh, which we are about to do. So, Notre Dame, in all their might, went down to Tobacco Road. And, I mean, basically, I mean, they just beat the crap out of Duke. Um, Jude, I, that was a pretty dominant defensive uh, performance. And then fairly efficient on offense, um, even though that the, when you look at 
uh, you know, Notre Dame's offensive stats, it's a, it's a little strange to see, you know, like your running back struggle so much yet Ian Book's just running wild. Uh, I, I was I was surprised because I, I watched the game and my wife was in the room and it was like 21 nothing and I said this is fun. This is a lot of fun to watch this game. I really felt like I was watching one team just absolutely dominate the other. And even when they scored the touchdown 21-7, it was like one of those deals where the think thing had just happened where he'd run for 78 yards and it got called back. And I was like, they're still just absolutely just crushing them. Um, then I did the um, the second watch slash uh, play charting, and I was surprised at like how much didn't work in the game because I, my recollection of the game was just that it was just totally dominant, you know? Um, so that's not to say I was at any stretch of the imagination disappointed by a 38 to seven win. I just, um, you know, there continues to be room for improvement. I, I there was some great chunk plays. Uh, there was some great running plays. As you mentioned, Ian book had one, but Jameer Smith also had one. Um, oh, yeah. and, uh, you know, so there was there was some there was some stuff to be very happy about, and then there's some stuff that still continues to uh, can kind of confound, which is, you know, somebody mentioned I think on our site today, if you look at Ian Book's stats throwing the ball over ten yards, they weren't very good in the Duke game, and I just, you know, you you remember the the big toss ups to Chase Claypool, and you know, that they, they they got the major yardage, but. Um, he had some real dogs too. And the, the McKinley, the one that bounced off McKinley's head and turned into an interception was a real yeah. one. Uh, it was almost like a jump ball. Um, there's, some, there's just a lot of weird, uh, there was a lot of weirdness in that game and it, it was, it was weird, but I, I don't want to come off as, as, as having, as being complaining and complaining because I, I, I thought it was great. I enjoyed, enjoyed every minute of it. And, uh, I just saw it as an, as an opportunity to say they added a new element with this, with Ian book running more and and having more design runs for him i think that was way more design runs than i had seen in the last couple of games um and they almost I think kind there of was a little no i just say i think i just think there was a little something lost both um and it wasn't notre dame's fault uh really it wasn't their fault at all and it, it was that last like four and a half minutes of the first half like when i had my wife texting me how insane it all was and how terrible the announcers are. I mean, that's saying something when she gets on, <laughs> when she gets on and starts texting me about, cause I mean, that holding call on Roland was dog shit. Um, you know, so that negated the, the big 78 yard play to, to think, which they got like inside the eight. So you're looking to go 28 up 28, nothing at that point. Um, and then, so, and then there was like, I don't know what, I can't even remember the exact sequence of plays right after that. I had the illegal touching that was yeah. interception. That and, was so like, the, and then Bramblett kicks a 22-yard punt. Yeah. I mean, it was just like all these series of events put Duke in the the only pos good position they were in all night, and they were able to get one over the top over on uh, Dante Vaughn there uh, to get a touchdown, and it's 21-7. Not, not only stumbled, but he didn't he didn't check the receiver at the line at all. He didn't put a hand on the receiver the whole and play. It, and it was bumping on coverage. Right, right. Yeah. So it was like this – it was just a weird – weird turn of events where it, it, I mean, Notre Dame probably should have shut Duke out. I mean, there was nothing really going right for them off offensively. I mean, they really put the hammer down on the, on them. And so 
I, I think if if that if if that holding call on Roland doesn't happen, I, I think even the mood, even the I mean, I'm in a great mood after that game. You know, think like, all right, this is fine. Because what happened? Because what happened in that game was what I kind of had been saying all week leading up to it. You know, a lot of people are pick, predicting a little closer game and this and that. And I'm just like, <clears throat> I think I predicted like 41-13. And I had a hard time giving Duke 13 to begin with. And that, you know, pretty damn close there, 38-7. So, um, I, just, I don't know. I just think if they would have been able to push that in 28-0 uh, going into the half, say you win 38-0 or, you know, or 45 or or whatever, nothing. Yeah. I think I think fifty was attainable if they hadn't, you know, if there was a couple of things they could have cleaned up there. Um, and I'm not the first person to say say that this week. I, I really, it felt like the kind of game they could have put fifty on it, which is amazing because Duke's uh, defense was um, pretty high up in in some some good categories. Um, they were. Yeah, the, they I don't. A, I don't know, know all the all the nerd math, all the nerd math stats on Duke's defense, but I do know that they were like in the top 30 on a lot of different categories. Right. So Brad, what I, I don't, I, I still don't feel like rewatching the game that I get the feeling that this was a new Mexico 66 to 10 blowout. Like I, I would side with, I mean, Jude is doing a very good job of not being pessimistic right now, but I'm picking up on those pessimistic vibes and I'm actually agreeing with them. Like, Oh, I don't know. Like, there were there were a lot of things that I think Notre Dame could have done better, and they should have against a team like Duke. Well, let me ask you that. Let me ask you this then specifically. Go ahead. The things that Notre Dame could have done better, I think. Let's just, let's just break this down. Are we're probably on the offensive side of the football, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Would most of those be in the running game with actual running backs? Absolutely. Because I think that's the thing that bothered me the most was that, <clears throat> I mean, where the hell, where the hell are we getting our running product? I mean, right. you know where we got it from, but you want, you watch that and see that they're not getting, they're not, they're not just getting yards. They're getting nothing. Yeah, you know, Jafar nothing. Armstrong, he's been back for a few weeks and he still only has 59 yards on the season. Rewatching, rewatching the game. I actually was asking myself, did Jafar Armstrong even play? Because because the only big chunk plays we saw and the only highlights we saw from the running game were Jameer Smith. And, and, well, and like, Ian Book. And, and Ian Book, right, of course. But I was like, did, did Jafar, like I was very interested in the fact of whether or not Jafar Armstrong even played in this game because I know of the injuries and I didn't know if he was out again. Oh yeah, they tried, they tried using him on they had a play with Armstrong where they threw him. I think it was maybe a screen, and he got himself down to maybe the five yard line before he got kicked out. Um, maybe went for about ten or fifteen yards or whatever. I say he got a first down because I, I I was shocked that they that they actually got good yardage on a screen pass. Yeah, um, but I I was talking to Greg from our friend Greg from UHND today, and and he was like. Ah, so, you know, you know, this isn't exact quotes, but basically we're saying like, yeah, Javar Armstrong's not what we thought he'd be. And I said, I think this is a Tony Jones Jr. 2017 situation where we found out afterwards that he was dealing with a lot of little nagging injuries that weren't keep they weren't keeping him out of the games, but they were caught. They were preventing him from from doing something because Jafar Armstrong, the he hasn't hit a hole in weeks and exploded <laughs> through it. And yeah, there's, that's true. Every time you, 
Every time you hand and it off. And that's the thing. There's been holes. Like, even the announcers are like, uh, you know, talking about, you know, the holes that Notre Dame's running backs aren't hitting. And that's that's pretty bad, you know, when the, when they're when they're calling you out like that. Just I don't I don't think Jafar Armstrong is 100 percent by any I mean, what, imagination. And if this is 100 percent, then we're we're in some serious trouble. Well, I kind of wonder why we weren't using Tony more. I mean, why weren't Tony and Jimmy? You know, did you know Tony Jones Jr. is still averaging over six yards a carry for the season? That's awesome. I, I yeah. did not realize that. Like, I think it's like six point two yards per carry. That's that's a great average to have. For especially for a guy like Tony, I like my, my sense during watching the Duke game was that they were babying him, like that they that he yeah, hundred percent healed from whatever had kept him out of the previous game. Obviously, were, obviously all of our, obviously all of the um, oh hell, whatever you want to call it, you know, all of our our past thoughts about the way Notre Dame t- and Brian Kelly talk about injuries are definitely happening this year. There, nothing is for nothing is even remotely been accurate, um, <laughs> you know, as far, as far as the injuries have gone and recovery times. And even though like Jafar Armstrong has been out there since the Michigan game, he hasn't looked anything like, you know, like you said, like anything like we would have expected or had seen before. And then, you know, just this last game with Tony, it looked like you're right. It looks like they're kind of babying a little bit. Like why were we still running that, you know, you know, that outside zone running plays with Tony, we just go up the gut. I mean, that he had already proved earlier this season that that those are his better. That's what he does best. I actually they just I, kept they just kept putting him out to the edge, putting him out to the edge. It's like, what are we even doing here? Actually, I have an opinion on this, and I think this might be this might be <laughs> well, over. Good, that's going to help the podcast. Go ahead. Okay, <laughs> opinion, well, I'll opinions work. Tell you what it is. <laughs> so I think this is a little bit of overcorrection because. If you think about past Notre Dame running backs and how Brian Kelly has overused them, I mean, we watch Joshua Adams get run down and injured towards the end of his senior or junior year before he went pro. We watched CJ Procise get banged up and then couldn't produce against Stanford the way that he did against like Clemson in 2015. Like, I, I think I think there I think there's a little bit of overanalysis going on. Does that make sense? No, I get it. I mean. At this point in the season, there's a lot of things that make sense because I, <laughs> I just think there's a lot there's a lot of pieces to it, and you can start fitting them in any which way you like. You know, I I I, I don't know the the offense is still befuddling. It, it's it's just I'm, a bit. Go ahead, Jude. Uh, I was just gonna say I'm worried about the cumulative effect. I you know people are saying oh they shouldn't lose a game you know before December or whatever. Um, you know, look it's Hainsey's gone for the year. Kramer's gone until maybe the bowl game. Right. If I got that correct. Um, you know, who knows what's going on with the running backs? Uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, they, we just lost Julian Aquara. Um, Dalen Hayes is already gone. I am just this. I I was going to tweet the other day when Eric Hansen announced that Julian Aquara was fractured with fibula and was gone for the season. You know, our pets' heads are falling off. This feels like a pets' heads are falling off sort of thing. Like this is this is becoming too much. And I'm not saying that there aren't talented people. I'm just saying that when they go down, um, God, I, I just every when Chase Claypool went out, uh, when he I don't know if he fell on the ball or he fell on his wrist weird or whatever, and he got into the medical tent and they lost him for a series. I was just like, 
dude, you cannot lose Chase Claypool. Like Ian Book like needs to throw to someone, you know, and, and Chris Fink and Javon McKinley aren't gonna cut it, right? So I'm just uh, I'm very I'm continuing to be very worried about the cumulative effect of these injuries. Yeah. I I guess I'm not so much. And and maybe maybe it's just because we're we're not playing Georgia again this season. Um but I mean it gets Navy and Boston College, it shouldn't fucking matter, honestly. And against Stanford, honestly, it shouldn't fucking matter. They, I mean, the the replacements are. are I, I mean, I thought Josh Lug had a really good game against Duke. I really, I tried to pay attention to him as much as I could, and he's out there moving. But he, I thought Lug had a pretty good game. Roland was Roland and got hose on a call. And Jameer Jones has been more productive than Julian Aquara. So. I mean, I know we I, we like our rotations on the defensive line. I get that. Um, but I think, you know, like this week's going to be a little different. Um, even the depth chart probably isn't right. I mean, they got Jameer Jones and then Ovia Gofu right after I think, him. I, st- I still think Justin Admiola probably get figured in more into that mix over on the shark side. Um, but I, I just want to I mean, caution, caution you about diminishing Julian Aquara's. Oh, I'm not, no, I am not trying. No, yeah, I am not trying. Team's game plan against to stop him, so that's not going to be on the table now. No, I get that. I'm not trying to diminish Aquara, what he meant to the team, what he meant being on that field with the other team having a game plan. I I do not, but I what I am saying is our deepest position group in August was a defensive end, and and so that has proven itself coming through because Jameer Jones has been playing on the same level out there. I mean, whether the game plan around somebody or not, Jameer Jones has been just as productive playing in that same position. So I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying I'm fine with it. Of course not. I, I want Julian Acquire out there. And I think that's just a fucking terrible way for you to end your career somewhere is, you know, that that, that was it for Julian, you know, for Julian Acquara. That was the last game. He's going to be, uh, be able to wear, you know, a golden helmet is you know down on tobacco road uh you know so that that all that sucks uh, but all i'm saying is that the opponents that we have left on the schedule i i just don't see that making a gigantic difference not even navy you don't if you don't look the the paranoia well, especially navy they, the i mean they par- protected the par- the paranoia in our comment section is that everyone's going to get hurt during the Navy game. So I, I guess yeah. I- I- to your point, you know, Douglas Farmer wrote an article this week that basically said from N- NBC Sports, he wrote an article this week that said basically the difference between this year and 2014, I think he was comparing it to, was that the, or the, maybe 2015, that the injuries in that year, the year he was comparing it to, were at positions that they were thin at already. And that, that you know, and then in this year, exactly to your point, um, if you could stand to lose some bodies, it was definitely a defensive end. And and now we've lost those bodies. And and the people that have stepped up, Ade and um, you know, and so and so forth, uh, Jameer Jones, you know, who obviously didn't think he was he thought he was gonna redshirt this year and is now uh gonna be one of the best players on the team. Uh, and it's gonna win some kind of weird awarded echoes that they make up. You know, I don't know if a comeback player of the year is, is fitting, but you know, something like that. Um, what so, at the echoes? At the echoes, yeah. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How they they create some like bullshit award, like you know, um, 
for people who don't read too good or whatever. Yeah, the, the echoes, the echo awards remind me of like how we used to do like awards on blogs. Like he like <laughs> reverse engineer them. You're just like, I've got to give Jameer Jones an award. What can I give it for? You know what I mean? Like how like Dexter the, Williams, like, gr- like greatest, like greatest hair in a ponytail. Exactly. Just best no. guy named Jameer on the team. <laughs> <laughs> number one jameer yeah sorry jameer. Jameer, jameer smith sitting in the corner going damn it that was my award <laughs> <laughs> all right hey we are going to take a uh a quick break uh to pay some bills and we come back uh we're going to talk uh uh maybe not about some awards but we're going to talk a, just a little bit more about uh the naval academy and uh notre dame's ex-opponent All right, we are back. And something that I tweeted out earlier this week and something we were just discussing before we hit record was, y'all, Navy has not played a Power 5 opponent at all this season. Uh, Notre Dame will be their one and only. Uh, and I and their one loss was the, you know, Memphis, you know, 35-23 or something like that. They're a top 25 team that has not beat a Power 5 school. They are the only top 25 team that has not beat a power five school. So for those that talk about like schools like Minnesota, not playing somebody or whatnot, and I totally get it. I mean, Navy really hasn't played anybody. <laughs> if you really want to pull it down, I mean, the one team they played so far, Memphis beat them. Does that, they've, does that, they've been dominant in all the other games. And they, But they have been dominant in all their other games. Yeah. They beat yeah. Holy Cross. Uh, but let's, let's, which which Philip which Philip is probably still stewing over. Uh, they cr- they crushed East Carolina. Uh, they had a close one against Air Force. Um, you know Tulsa they crushed USF they crushed. Tulane was a cut, was a good game. Listen um, to this great uniforms listen, by the way Tulane. Listen to this factoid. I mean they beat UConn fifty six ten. I am I'm shaking in my boots. Listen, listen to this factoid. Uh, a couple of factoids here. They've not trailed in their last 225 minutes of gameplay, and they've only trailed for uh, 39 minutes and one second during the 480 minutes they've played so far this year. And the majority of that was the Memphis game. That's pretty. That's pretty okay. impressive. I'm impressed. Okay. I don't look. I mean, look, the caliber of the not, opponent. <laughs> the caliber of the opponent isn't much, but they're. I mean, but that, I mean, that's the whole point. Like you're trying to you're throwing out an impressive stat. That's like that's like Hicksville High School playing a peewee team be like, we led every single game, but then they get crushed by uh, like, you know, defiance college, but you know, like, but that's all right. Because that's all right. Because they, they, they were way ahead at all these schools against the peewees. I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I just, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I just, when you're, the whole point is that you haven't played the caliber of opponent week in and week out. That's the point. Like, so I don't really care what you did within it. You haven't played that caliber. You haven't played anybody. Play Memphis, Hicks, you lost. Does Hicksville regularly play Pee Wee teams? Because that's kind of messed up. <laughs> we are the. <laughs> you know, they need their confidence every once in a while. But <laughs> sure, yeah, no, you can have your one. Let's keep going. But no, but I, the, the thing about Navy is, is that it, and I kind of rolled my eyes about this in the preseason. Was a lot of people wrote Navy off. Uh, as you know, because they had a bad season, and so they, they kind of thought they'd be you know, I, I heard the term rebuild toss around a few times, and they were and three and that, last year, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had a bad season. And uh, and I get, I just kind of like in the back of my mind, I'm like, does any of that matter? I'm like, <laughs> I, I just, I kind of just felt the way that, that Navy football has been and the way that kind of like a plug and play situation. And then that they would get back to being regular, the regular Navy that we've known, um, you know, under uh, Coach Ken. So none of this is surprising to me that they're doing as well as they are. I just, I just, is it surprising to you that they're averaging 40 points a game? No, because these schools can't stop the option. Who the hell's going to fucking stop them? They're just not, but that you could say that about any year, right? Uh, I mean, I get, I mean, I guess, but not really. (laughs) Now they're, they're three years into the AAC. So it's like these teams are playing Navy every single year. So it's not like they're not, they're never seeing the option. You know? No, but they're not. But I mean, they're not also not. They're not talented, top to bottom, like 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 a team like Notre Dame. Like you start start diving into these AAC schools, you know. And I'm not, I'm not talking about Memphis, who's been good over the last. Well, you know, let's go take a look at Tulane. Like, how good have they been over the last five six years? How good is their roster? Well, how much is their roster? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, it starts boiling down into that. I think Navy is. I mean, look, is, Malcolm Perry is lights out. Navy, Navy's that team that they'll they'll play all four downs. You know, they won't. They they right. They, up, they're not. There's no card. There's no card. Anything like third and five means to to Notre Dame. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. There, there's no the the thing that's shitty about playing Navy is that there's no there's no card with Navy. Meaning that like, like when it's fourth and two, like you stop. You know, if it's if it's third and five and they get three yards and it's fourth and two. You in a normal game, you're like, shit, yeah, got him. You know, not against Navy, they'll roll out there on fourth down. They're they're fairly confident in themselves to get two yards to get that first down. That's why that's you know not just because of you know they're running the ball so the clock's constantly running. It's because they're constantly keeping drives alive because they're staying on schedule. You know, getting four four yards here, five yards here, four yards here, six yards, three yards. You know, just just kind of chopping. Slow yeah. bites. Fifth in the nation in fourth down conversion, they're converting eighty three point three percent of their fourth downs. It's good. Yeah, and I, what's what stat is it of how many they've actually gone for? I I don't know. I don't have that one in front of me. Find that one out because I would bet that they're they're within the top, at least the top three, and actually going for it on fourth down. Yeah. But yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. They're they're very they've always been very efficient on fourth down. Great in the um, red zone too. They're fourth overall, ninety six point six percent converted in the red zone for their offense. Yeah, yeah, I buy it. I, I would like to know, I'll, you know, how good is Tulsa's defense? How good? <laughs> how good is UConn's defense? <laughs> this is Bob Diaco left. And you're, you're I, I, I think I, the way I, you're setting this up is this is to, this is the great reckoning for Navy. This is the this is the day that we realized that they were all. All this, the, all these numbers that were that I'm tossing out are fraudulent numbers. Is that is that's that kind ha- of takeaway? That's, that's uh, harsh in that I wouldn't use the word fraudulent. Uh, okay. Would I? Would I say a little puffed up? Yeah, puffed inflated. Up? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Fraudulent? No, I'm not. A bit of smoke and mirrors. Even that's more like fraud than just a little puffed up. You know, I mean, slide of hand. I mean, I I, th- I stand firm with puffed up, like a little more, little more extra juice there. But uh, 
I mean, because I mean, don't get it twisted. I I, I think Navy is a a good, solid football team and a very fucking tough out. Yeah, they don't. They but don't. I'm not. But I'm not shaking in my damn boots about Navy. I mean, <laughs> I just I I understand that I understand fans that do, and that I laugh because I mean, come on. Uh, but I just I'm just not gonna be overly worried myself. I'm not playing the game, so. Save the none of the shit matters what I say, but uh, <laughs> no, I just I just think that it's a little puffed up. They haven't played too many, you know. In other years, they've played like in Ohio State or you know or somebody else, you know, leading into you know before a game like us, you have a little bit better grasp of like what they're doing up against that top tier talent, a talent level that's more closer to their names than say like you know a fucking Tulsa. Or a Yukon or a South Florida. So well, the one thing I think we can agree on is that that Brian Kelly did not realize what this whole this whole Navy program was about the first year he played him and he got himself embarrassed pretty hard. And I think that the best thing that happened about getting embarrassed in the Meadowlands that year was that he decided that we were gonna plan for Navy not just the week before the Navy game, but actually work on this in the off season. And I remember the the game ball in 2015 when they when Notre Dame won 41-24 over a ranked Navy team that finished, I believe, the season 11 and 2. Um the game ball went to this this uh, scout team kid named Robbie Regan who basically ran the scout team offense and had perfected the, you know, the the style of the option attack that Navy had had run so well that Notre Dame felt so prepared for it, you know. Right, but, mo- but most of that credit was actually Deserved upon on Bob Elliott, who was the uh, who was in an analyst role at the time with Notre Dame, and because Notre Dame played both Navy and Georgia Tech, who was before the prior to the 2015 season, you know prior to that season, you know Tech was supposed to have had it been, you know, in contention to win in the ACC that year, so you know they put Bob Elliott to work, and a lot of what he figured out is what they did. So I mean, yeah. No, no, look, Notre Dame takes the triple option seriously. Um, and your story proves that. What I just said about Elliot proves that. 2010 was a little bit of a wake-up call, but I mean. Uh, and I'm nervous. This is the first year we don't have uh, uh, Greer Martini in four years, right? We didn't have Greer Martini last year. Oh, it wasn't last year? Last last year was the first year. Okay. Yeah, because Drew White's the new Greer Martini. Drew it's okay. White, that's right. Drew White is the new Greer Martini. Yeah, it's and okay. We got that. Yeah. Yeah, white is the new martini. It's it's okay. We got it. They recruited well enough. Well, if I recall correctly, Martini or um, Drew White was forced into the game because Drew Tranquil hurt himself. They got yeah, and, and no one was expecting White, and a lot of people uh, were scrambling for their rosters, looking like who the hell's number forty. <laughs> and you know, it was like, yeah, no one expected Drew White to be out there. And then that was like, oh, this is the new Greer Martini. Okay. Like, that's fine. <laughs> and at the time, it was, we were even joking about like, well, this is what Drew White does in his career. Because, you know, before that, a lot of people talked about Drew White leaving Notre Dame, you know, either transferring or, or whatever. He had, he had some medical issues um, prior. And uh, then we're like, well, if this is Drew White's career at Notre Dame is to be the, the triple option specialist, then so be it. You know, and then now Drew White's having a, a pretty good season. 
<laughs> as a as a starting uh, linebacker for Notre Dame. Uh, the other one, obviously, the, the other one I remember is that we somehow dodged Malcolm Perry last year, if I recall correctly, right? He Was he hurt or he's not they hurt? They were using him in another – well, they were using him in another position too. Yeah. They were – yeah, they were bouncing around or whatever. He's fantastic. But he's um, – Using the word dodge is a little puffed up, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, I think you got. Who would I, I talk? You got to account for him, right? I just, I, 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 I can't do it, guys. I can't do it. I, I'm not falling into this trap of, of overhyping up. Navy. Okay. I mean, they got, they got a great you also, system. You also thought Michigan was dog shit. How did that work out for you, Josh? Uh, I'm, hey, I'll deal with it. Ah, so, how about a, how about a team that doesn't fucking show up at all? There you go. I'm not going to over. I'm not going to overhype a fucking a team that hasn't played a Power Five school. Still, still has a loss. I mean, Malcolm Perry's great. I like him a lot. I mentioned him earlier in the the show already. But I'm just. I'm not going to be like, we dodged him like we like if Trevor Lawrence somehow would have had a set out of the combo last year. We dodged not having to play Trevor Lawrence. Do you do you realize on the same level? Did you know? Did you realize that Malcolm Perry has run for sixteen touchdowns already this season, and that basically his average? Why wouldn't? Why wouldn't he? Third best. Why? Why would? Game. Why would his stats be any different than any Navy quarterback that has played under Neil Matalolo? That's what I'm saying. Like, is he any better than Keenan Reynolds? I mean, well, I mean, Keenan Reynolds. Uh, he was really good, and he was really good. I understand that. I just this is not some like life altering quarterback, you know, to look at. He's been a lot of what you know Paul Johnson Pryor and Niamatololo have done. This is what the quarterbacks do. 16 rush. Yeah, I believe it. I'm looking at the stat right now. I it does not it did not shock me. I was pretty well tuned into what Navy does running the football. Did I know that Michael Cooper had 241 yards receiving? That seemed a little high to me, to be honest with you. <laughs> but <laughs> I like that I like that Navy is number one in um Oh, yeah, like 22 or 23 yards per yeah, reception or something yards. like that? Pass yards per completion. 23 <laughs> yards. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like when they finally do your... it, everyone's like, oh, shit, we forgot to cover the receiver. Yeah, you get your four. It's that sleepy, sleepy, you know, going on the edge there, that drop back, and you got a guy just running free down the side. Wait, oh, no yeah. one could say they can throw the ball. What? <laughs> I mean, they, they do every once in a while. They, if you – you want to go white girl basic on the stat. They're averaging 98.9 yards uh, passing a game, which is currently 128th country. So they are on both ends of the spectrum. They are leading the country they in make, rushing. They make, they make four huge plays a game, right? Listen, they are leading the country in rushing at 357 yards a game, and they are dead last in the country uh, in passing at 98 yards per game. It's just, you know, what do you do best? So, and you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not, I, I get everything that you're saying, Jude, but I'm just not going to sit down my leg because it's the same Navy quarterback that I've seen most years. And in fact, it's that, and I say that, and it's actually, it goes back to more of what, um, you know, like in 2016 is a different story. I can't remember the kid's name for the life of me. He played hard as hell. I think Will something or Amy? other. What's that? Zach Aby? No, 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 the 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 Will kid, um, oh, the one that was the, the the fucking the Academy Tim Tebow. 
Yeah, whatever his name was. They he ran more of a power power running game as as a quarterback. Now we're back to more of this stuff like like a lot of what we saw with Keenan Reynolds. So no, they they run a they run a good they run their offense as best as anybody can run on offense in the country. I'm just, I'm just not like I'm just, I'm just not gonna hype, I'm not gonna hype it up, guys. Okay. I mean, I'm, if, I, if, do I respect I'm, them? I'm officially. Do I, do I think that they do what they do well? Yes, but I'm not gonna hype. I'm not gonna be fucking flavor flame over here. You know, trying to <laughs> hype these guys up. I'm officially saying that I'm nervous about this game. Okay, go ahead. I'm. I'm I, I can't you, live like you that. You can. You can disagree with me all you want, and when when they win by 17 points, I will be very happy. I mean, I'll give a shit if we win by one point. I'm just. It just happens. I mean, you'll, I'm, you'll I'm care, care terribly if they lose by one point. So yeah, I mean, I'm gonna side with Jude on this one. I'm the same okay. place that I was. Last week, when I didn't trust Notre Dame against Duke, I'm, I'm nervous. This is a ranked team. Uh, who hasn't beat a, who, a ranked team that has not beat a Power Five school sure. at all? Sure. And lost the and lost to Memphis, thirty-five to twenty-three. Here's here's what I think we can agree on. Um, the Michigan game now has this also turned around that we don't know which end is up for this Notre Dame team because, like, if you had said I, to me, I don't believe that. No, I do. I, I'm not. I no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not sold on that. Okay. So you, I think, you, you, I, picked, you had it perfectly nailed that Virginia Tech would be a one point game because I thought no. they were winning by two touchdowns. Yeah, same. No, I thought I did thought that the I thought the 18 point spread was ridiculous. I thought it would be a lot closer than that. Uh, you know, I I didn't what think that your, they would. Cut. What was your score prediction? Do you remember? It was right. It was. It was about a. It was, it was right around a little bit. Maybe fifteen points. Okay. I mean, but you thought, you you thought know, eighteen that was game? ridiculous, but you you had them winning by fifteen and they won by one. How? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, eighteen point because I mean, a half a point makes all the fucking difference if you win ten thousand dollars or lose your fucking ass, Jude. A half point. So I thought eighteen was ridiculous because if you're looking at it betting wise, how the hell could it be eighteen fucking points? So if you if I took Virginia Tech and Notre Dame won by seventeen fucking points. I still fucking win. That's why I thought it was ridiculous. But if I if I said to you, I'll give you fourteen points, would or, or you lay fourteen points and I'll take fourteen points in Virginia Tech, you would have given that to me, right? No, I no, not betting. I wouldn't have. Hell no. So <laughs> I just wouldn't have. I, I, just, I, I had a, I had I had a ridiculous score. I guess but I don't know that, that's where I'm pretty- you live. I mean, you said that you said that you thought they were going to win by 15 points, but you wouldn't have bet them at 18. You wouldn't have bet nope. them at 14. You would have bet. Nope. I mean, you thought you one didn't surprise <laughs> you. I mean, one shocked the hell out of me. I'm I'm sorry. I, that was that game was that game very well could have been a loss. Yeah. Yeah, but what the hell are you looking at? Eat too. When they go to the fucking halftime, Virginia Tech had 85. Look, it was a it was a fluke fucking game. They had 85 yards of offense. Virginia Tech. Notre Dame had like 245 or 254, whatever the hell it was. It was a fluke game all around. It's one of those scary-ass games. When you're watching it, you see exactly what's happening. Like all these fucking things kind of like piling on top of each other to make it a close game out of a game that should never be that close. And that's the kind of game it was. It w- But it wasn't like to the point where I'm like, like this is totally changing my perception of Notre Dame football. I was looking at it more of the, of the sense that <laughs> this is, you know, I'm I'm looking at the sky like this game is just a fucking 
what the hell is going on here? Because they were dominate, dominating both sides of the football, and somehow you got yourself into a position where you're fucking losing. I mean, it, it was one of those games. I mean, you could look, go back and look at the stats. It should not have been that close. It was because of this and that goddamn 98-yard fumble return for touchdown that had everyone in that place, you know, thinking about South Florida game. It's just it's, it's one of those games where just kind of shit happens. So, I mean, Let that's me what happened. But I, but I, didn't, I didn't place anything. Like, and the reason I – this goes all the way – you brought up the Michigan game. I've just I've, – I've moved on past that. Like, number one, they didn't show up in Ann Arbor at all. Those guys played like shit, and they know it. I mean, they fucking – there's no way they could look in the mirror and say they, they gave everything they had up there in Ann Arbor. There's no fucking way. They played like shit. They know it. And that's fine to the sense that as long as they realize that and work her, and you know, and work their asses off to get better in that. And you're playing in crap weather, blah, 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 blah on the road. There, there's a ton of fucking reasons why, but they're not excuses. They're going to get their asses handed to them for a reason. But looking at it three weeks, four weeks later, I think they've, I'm, I'm not really, t- I'm not placing any value from that game on another name now, just like I place no value from the New Mexico game to what it is now. Like, can you, can you play to the level that you played? And you know, where have we seen them play best at? Oh, the best we've probably seen them play, but possibly in Athens, that's a pretty good level. Can they play at that level again? I believe so. Let me ask you a question in terms of this Navy game upcoming. What what probability would you put on Navy winning this game? I don't know, ten percent. What probability would you have put it on a Notre Dame winning this game by more than ten points? I I don't, I don't even have a number. I don't even know what what's the spread on it. Like it eleven, twelve, eight, and nine and a half. Okay, so yeah, so it's right around there. <sighs> I don't know. That's about winning by more than 10 points, about a 50 50. Depends on the flow of the game. I mean, Navy's going to control the. Navy's going to control. It depends on what Notre Dame wants to do offensively. Are they going to be aggressive and stay aggressive? Or are they going to, and you kind of pretty good feeling they're going to? It's generally the game plan when you play them. Um, We agree on this that the, the two. Things that we've seen during the Kelly era have been either one possession games, nail biters, like a 38-34, or Navy shoots itself in the foot and it's like a 50-10, you know, 41-24. More, Did more. Navy shoot themselves in the foot last year? Beat the shit out of them last year, didn't we? Um, I mean, they, they had a little, they scored a little bit in the second half, but. Yeah, it's one of those the where. Shit out of them last year. Notre Dame jumped all over him at the at the beginning and then yeah. kind of eased off. And that and that and and that's, also, a, that's a typical thing. Yeah, I would also bring up 2012. Like that was not a contest by any means. Right. That it, was, it, it did it did Navy shoot was, themselves Navy in, the foot? in the foot though. Did they I mean, that's what I'm saying? I I don't yeah, I don't I guess I, I guess I don't look at it like like they either shoot themselves in the foot, you know, for us to blow them out or we get a close win. I don't look at it in in, in those two different categories. There's too many different ways it goes. Yeah. And I just, the few games you brought up are, are one of those. 
do I feel that Notre Dame can win this? I, I just don't see Navy scoring enough. I, I feel that they could be able to move the ball. I, I just, I, don't know, I, I haven't even thought about a prediction yet. I know the, 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 not the spread, but the over under is like right around like 56, 58 points. It's like that, that. Yeah. That seems, that seems about right. I, I don't know. Maybe it's like 31, 22. Uh, you know, what's that? What's that? Oh, that's nine fucking points right there. So, yeah. I, just, I I don't know. I just I know how Notre Dame fans get. They've been this way since fucking 2007. Everyone starts getting too like ridiculously worried, and a lot of times it's just it's not it's not what it is. Um, yeah, 2010, Brian Kelly <laughs> completely overmatched mentally. Uh, he was not was not prepared for this. Uh, 2011, um, yeah, was it 2011 when the Meadowlands? When they didn't, the middle is 2010. 11 was at home. Yeah, 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 yeah. The lopsided one. Yeah, that was bad. You know, and then you had 2016. Just a terrible team, a terrible season. So I think I, I don't, I, I don't think that this team's, I think this team is better than, you know, than those teams by far. I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, not in a position to put myself in a corner um, and put the sandbags up and the, and the helmet on and, and be overly fucking worried about, about this. I have a healthy respect for this game. And I, you know, I'm not saying Notre Dame's going to go out and beat them 56 to fucking nothing because you know better than that, but it just, it's not one of those games where it, it's, it's not Georgia. It, it's not even fucking Michigan. So Oh, I, and I, I, I don't think I suggested that it was the, at that level. I'm just saying. I mean, the way, the way, the way you come off on it, it does. I mean, anytime I say anything about uh, being a little comfortable with it, you're like, "Are you kidding me? Are you, oh my God, Navy!" Well, I, I think to be honest with you, I think you're too flippant about it. You know what I mean? I think this is, this is, you know, look, it, it's still seven and one team. I understand all the points you've made about who they played and Holy and, Cross, and East Carolina. What's that? Holy Cross, East Carolina, Memphis, Air Force, Tulsa, USF, Tulane, UConn. They've had three bye weeks already. I'm I'm comfortable in that I think I have Navy pegged a little bit. Watched them a little bit this year. And look, I'll say over and over again, I think Malcolm Perry is awesome. But I just, I'm not sold on the overall scope of this and being like I'm, I'm not being flippant if i was like i said if i was flipping i'd be predicting a, a four score fucking win you know and but you know a nine point win a 10 point win yeah i think that's that's probably what's gonna happen you know <clears throat> excuse me you know what my takeaway from this discussion is <laughs> what's that it's that at the end of the season we should have either a mailbag or a call-in podcast where we just say, who hurt you? And everyone calls in. <laughs> and they say, 2001 Oregon State. Or like, 2003 NC State. That's who hurt you. That's why we're so worried about Navy right now. <laughs> who hurt you? I was, I was at the Fiesta Bowl in 2001. That, was, that oh, did geez. hurt me. Oh. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's where it starts. That'd be a good one. That God, 
What um, a horrible draw. Just switching topics here a little bit. I, I did feel a little sadness about the fact that it seems like it's now a fait accompli that, that Notre Dame is going to end up in the camping world bowl. And, you know, I, 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 I guess that the, the sadness comes from the fact that I was, I was sort of saying, well, you know, losing to Michigan sucked, but you know, at least maybe they can get themselves into New York six bowl win that game. I don't care who it's against. I don't care if it's a group of five team. I just want to get that monkey off of our back. Right. And now it just seems like there's way too many teams that need to lose. And I know it's a lot yeah, but, of conference championship games and, you know, but I think it's doable, dude. I, I, I dove into the numbers today at the dentist. <laughs> okay. And, and I said, well, I, did, I just started looking at yeah, what was all the maneuvering that needed to happen. And I mean, it, it's it's a lot, and so yeah. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you in a lot of this, but it's not like. I mean, I get. I, I think it's it's pretty doable. If if, he's, if yeah, I mean, I Minnesota could like a team like Minnesota, right? Like they they have to go to Iowa this week. They could go into Iowa, and Iowa could just do what Iowa does normally. You know what I'm saying? Like one loss for Minnesota bounces them way the fuck. I believe I was I believe I was favored in that game. I mean that's it's a good bet. I mean just Kinnick is a is a weird place. Um so I'm I'm just I started looking at a lot of games there. And there is a lot that has to happen, but it's not out of the realm. Like the, it seemed like pretty doable. I think um you know, last week definitely hurt Notre Dame. Like national, like nationally, what happened uh, definitely hurt Notre Dame and their chances of Cotton Bowl uh, quite a bit. But there's still, I mean, I, I think this, I think after this week, we'll tell the tale. I, I think a lot of what happens this week, like it has to go Notre Dame's way. Otherwise, then we're we're it's a it's a, almost a d- definite that it's camping. Since you were sitting in the dentist's office figuring this all out, can you give Notre Dame fans a guide on who they should be rooting against or for? I was actually going to write an article about okay. that, Jude, uh, sometime this week. I will um, not, one should read that. I, I, will, I will read that. I will read the shit out of that article. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was going to do it um, based solely off of this week, um, this week's matchups, um, and with a, just kind of like a slight glance ahead of the future. Um, but yeah, I look for that like probably Friday. So it, it's not hard to figure out. You can go to <laughs> you, you can go to you, you just go look at the, the schedule for the for the week and you just start going through the top 25. It, it's it's not like uh I, I now my mind's blanking because I'm not staring at it, but it's it's pretty basic. <laughs> but but um I do think that it's that a lot of doable things. Uh, I mean, for instance, okay, let's just say Indiana, Penn State, Indiana, who's having a really good season, seven and two, right? But they have to go to Happy Valley, so not the greatest. But they've put in, they've given Penn State a lot over the few over the years, a lot like IU Michigan games. Um, so they could definitely pull out the win. Uh, and Penn State sitting up at nine. Um, can Missouri beat Florida? Probably not, but it is in Missouri. So, you know, it can happen. Wisconsin I, goes to Nebraska. I don't worry about Penn State. I, they still have to play Ohio State, right? 
Who? Penn State? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, for this week, I'm just talking so about this done. week alone. Okay. So you got Wisconsin playing Nebraska this week. I, I mean, Nebraska is not a good football team, but it's, again, it's a game on the road against a team that, that could bite them. I mean, Nebraska has been bad, but they've also been good in weird times. That could be one of them. Who knows? Um, like, could Wake Forest beat Clemson? <laughs> And totally knock us all out. Yeah, they 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 could. They're not going to, but they could. Um, but like number four, Georgia takes on number twelve. You know, if Georgia Georgia wins that, that clears up another spot in front of Notre Dame with Auburn. Um, so you want to be rooting for Georgia on that one, not just because Notre Dame played them, but because a, a, a eight and two Georgia is only going to drop to like twelve. They're going to stay ahead of Notre Dame, so that none of that matters. The only part that matters is if number twelve loses. Uh, Houston, I mean, I guess that, that game doesn't fucking matter at all. Um, we already talked about Iowa, Minnesota. Look, Iowa's right. That's that Kinnick. So, uh, Oklahoma Baylor is this weekend. Uh, it, it's at Baylor. Yeah. Oklahoma's 10, Baylor's 13. Doesn't really matter who loses that game. Whoever loses that is going to drop behind another name. I'm, I'm fairly certain. So that's good. Uh, it, it would be. Better for Notre Dame if Oklahoma won that game, I believe. Um, but, you know, UCLA, who has been improved UCLA, plays Utah, and the Pac- Pac-12 is always kind of weird anyways. You know, and that, but that's in – that is at Rice-Eccles, so uh, RIP <laughs> UCLA, really. I, I really don't think that they'll have any chance at all. Uh, Arizona takes on Oregon, um, and that's at Oregon. That's – that upset isn't happening. So yeah, there, there's things that can go on. Um, and I don't think that all of these things need to happen. Like, I think a lot of people look at it like, Oh, all these things, few things just need to happen. Like I definitely think Indiana beating could beat Penn state. I definitely think Nebraska could beat Wisconsin. I don't think Missouri can beat Florida. Um, you know, I don't think Wake Forest can be Clemson. I definitely think Georgia can beat Auburn. Although that's going to be a really fucking good game. Um, you know, I, and I, I think Iowa's going to beat Minnesota. I, I just think it's going to happen. So, a little thing. And then, and then you're going to have Oklahoma Baylor, uh, which is, like I said, it really doesn't matter who loses that game. I believe whoever the loser of that will drop behind Notre Dame. And that's fine. That's good. You got three weeks to edge up enough. And so you get through this week, edge it up a little bit, and then you got next week, and then we'll worry about that. So, I, I kind of gave away my article a little bit, but <laughs> I so just um, Notre Dame, Kansas State would have been a, a matchup, a bowl matchup. I would have loved to see in 2012, but uh, here in 2019, I'm I'm just it's I'm I'm gonna I'm having a hard time getting up to get excited about that. Yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have seen Notre Dame, Kansas State in 2012. <laughs> I think a lot of us would have loved to have seen Kansas State 2012. But in 2018, uh, the Camping World Bowl, no, that does not sound exciting. Notre Dame, Texas is is sort of fun, but I mean, it's it's also been played twice. But it's not. But it's not to me. I I I kind of tire of hearing about sports writers talking about that possibility. Like, oh, you know, that's still a great match. It's a great matchup for who? For the fuck for writers to talk about a couple of blue bloods and Notre Dame and Texas. It doesn't mean shit. Like, I want it to mean something. 
it, I just don't think it fucking means anything. I mean, Texas already got three losses on the season. I don't, I don't care. It's like playing Alabama if they got four or five losses. Who gives a shit? And speaking of which, don't you guys love how Alabama's going to get into the uh, college football playoff without having to play a conference championship game? I thought that was illegal, according to everybody when Notre Dame did it. Uh, I believe in the the solid verbal theory of zombie Alabama. It, need, it, it requires two shots to the head until they until they lose twice. I don't. I believe that they're always still alive for everything. So. Oh no, I, I get it, and I'm totally like, I'm actually totally fine with it. But don't ever fucking bring up you have to win your. It, it, as it's happened in the past, anyways. Ohio, Ohio State won. Yeah. won yeah, we're good there. Yeah, and I think Alabama did it another year. Yeah. So <laughs> it's fine. That's that's what happens. Put put forth by Notre Dame ignorant anti Notre Dame fans who who don't actually do five minutes of research. Yeah, so. I mean you don't even have to do five five minutes. That's a fucking lot to just like remember. <laughs> it literally took us like twenty seconds to, to to nail down two examples of that already. So, I mean, that's going to happen. It's it's going to be either LSU and Georgia and Alabama. It'd be – I if Georgia beats LSU in the SEC championship, that's going to be – that's going to be inter- interesting. You know what I mean? That That's – like, do you – do you really – do you really put Alabama in the playoffs ahead of LSU? Who in the fucking right minds can do that? I, I think maybe that, that might be the only way, the only way Alabama's out of the college football playoff is if Georgia beats, Georgia wins out and beats LSU, an undefeated LSU in the uh, SEC championship game. That's the only way Alabama stays out. That's the double shot to the head. That's like the. This is my favorite part of college football these last couple of weeks. You know, and then the conference. Yeah, champions. this is when we should be talking about the playoffs, not in fucking July. Yeah. No, <laughs> this, is, this is the fun part. This is, yeah. you know, there's some really good games that are upcoming in the regular season. You know, obviously, I'm looking forward to uh, a, a lot of games in, from the SEC, but also like, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Ohio State. Right. Stuff like that, you know. And so uh, I- I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see. And then I'm also excited about, you know, watching Stu Mandel flop all over the place. My 5 p.m. projection now that so and so is beating so and so in the SEC championship. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's, it's just, I don't know. I, I live for this kind of stuff, you know? All right. So let, let, let's get some predictions here for this weekend for, for Notre Dame versus Navy. Uh, number 16, Notre Dame against number 21, Navy, um, which will be important for this week and this week alone. Um, Brad, what? What do you got there? 21-13 Irish. Ooh. There's going to be a lot of complaining after that game. <laughs> a lot of great, complaining. Great and, I mean, if you don't – I don't even want to explain why I chose that. I just want to throw <laughs> that out there. Um, but I think I think we made a lot of good points tonight about, you know, the depth of Notre Dame's defense and them having those injuries in the right places. I think that's – eventually what makes the difference i think we're looking a lot like 2013 where you know jalen smith made the basically made the tackle that won the game i think somebody on the defense who's we haven't spoken about tonight or or might be asmir Bilal, i don't know might make that game winning tackle <laughs> having yeah. a hell of a season brad your boy that's my boy right there 
I think the person who's having a hell of a season that no one talks about is Drew White. Second on the team yeah, in right, uh, yeah. tackles, you know, first on the team in tackles for loss. And I, I really am like- actually having a power rankings come out this week um, a po- uh, of underrated whatever. <laughs> and and I've had a hard, hard time. It was, I was supposed to have published it yesterday. <laughs> so I've had a hard, hard time uh, locking down the underrated guys, mainly because all the linebackers are kind of involved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Jude, where, where are you? Where are you saying that? Say, I'm going to say twenty-seven, seventeen. Repeat that one more time. You kind of broke up. I'm sorry. Twenty-seven, seventeen. I'm going to say twenty-seven, seventeen. So they cover. Do. Okay. I don't even. What did I say before? Did I say thirty-one? What, what the well, hell did like, I say? I don't know that you get. Did, did Brad? Did he give us a, a prediction? Yeah, what I was, was like 31 13 or 17 or something. No, no, I think I was or 31 22, maybe. Yeah, 31 22. Yeah, 31 22. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with that. Okay, that's a, that's a good score. That's a good score. Makers would, would be uh pretty enticed by that because there'd be a lot of it generate a lot of action right around the line and the uh and the over under. So, yeah, well, it's 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 a good couple points on the under, so uh. The under's 54, so... Oh, man, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right there. Yeah, 53, right? Yeah, well, you know, when you're asking me all those questions about would you... Like, I look at me putting down on a white space on the internet a lot different than when I start dealing with my fucking... <laughs> I, I protect my wallet more than my integrity, let's put it that way. My feeling has always been that the the bets I'm always 100% sure on that they, they can't lose bets that I never actually follow through and betting on because I don't know how to like I'm I'm too I'm maybe too close to boomer to understand how to bet online. Um, they never pan out. They absolutely never pan out. I remember it was like a Packers Broncos game. I don't know, maybe six years ago, and I was so certain that one team was going to win over the other, and that did not happen. And I was like, it just was like, oh well, I guess that's why I don't bet, you know. <laughs> Now, yeah, I having said that, I stopped, I, if somebody wants to d- be a degenerate and bet at me at, through Twitter for 25 bucks for charity or something like that, I'm totally down for that. I do that all year long. Um, bring it on, DGENs. But I, I can't, I, I, you know, to go to like, you know, bet online or uh, Bovada or something. I, I, that's, I don't know. I, I'm not sophisticated enough. Or, or maybe New York doesn't allow it. I'm not 100% sure. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure with the, what the local laws are on that. I'm not even sure about Ohio. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I had somebody for years <laughs> and, and did it that way. Uh, the old school way. Uh, but, uh, I don't, hell, I don't think I've placed a, an actual bet. Oh man. At, at least over a decade, at least over a decade, which is effed up because I'm a lot more, I'm a lot more tuned in now than I ever was <laughs> before. So, but, uh, but just, yeah, I just haven't. Maybe maybe once I get the kids through college, uh, I get back to my degenerate ways. There you go. That'll be a few years. So all right. <clears throat> so we're gonna go parting shots here now, and I'm gonna start it off because I, I got something to get off my chest. Um, and it's, this is totally on. This is on topic, and this has to do with Notre Dame and Navy. We all know what I'm getting to, and this has to do about Notre Dame schedule Navy. All right. Quite simply, Notre Dame does not need to schedule Navy every single 
they just do it needs to stop. This has nothing to do with, uh, I know a lot of fans or Navy fans like to say about the fact that Navy's won a couple of games, you know, in the last 60 years. No, none of that bothers me at all. It's a simple fact that, yeah, right. What I've said a few times tonight, Navy has played absolutely nobody. We beat Navy. They drop out of the top 25. None of that win matters anymore. End of the year, yeah, you can say you beat a top 25 team, but it's it's Navy. No one's going to give a shit. It doesn't do anything for you. It actually holds back your scheduling. Like you have you have a home and home with Navy. It's not like you say, well, you should drop BG or drop New Mexico. Well, I agree that we should not have Navy, Bowling Green, and New Mexico all in the same season at home. Those two games are by games. They're they're coming to Notre Dame and that's it. Notre Dame actually owes Navy home and homes, like or whatever Navy says that we're going to go fucking play. That part of the schedule means that you're locked in. You're locked into certain things. It doesn't get interesting anymore. You know, drop if you drop Navy, maybe you can start scheduling Michigan State. Maybe you can start having Tennessee or fucking Oregon State or whatever. Make it Indiana. Make it interesting. Liven it up. The Navy game is just not interesting to me. I, I know, and I know, Somebody just said, know the history as they're like breaking their phone. Listen to this. And trust me when I tell you, I know the history quite well. This is, I'm a Notre Dame fan. Everybody knows the damn history of this game. The problem is, is that Notre Dame fans choose to only look at it from the Notre Dame bubble. They believe Navy in all the goodness of their heart was so sad that Notre Dame might close its doors that out of the goodness of their heart, they sent all these all these cadets there, midshipmen, to save the school so they so Notre Dame could live. That's not what fucking happened. That is not what happened. What happened is is that World War II, you have this 12 program, which Notre Dame was a part of like 90 other schools across the country. Navy did not care if Notre Dame was going to close their doors. They found a spot to be part of their V-12 program. And not only was Notre Dame in the V-12, they were also in the V-7. Now, what was the V-7? It was their midshipman program. This is the officer part. A lot of the other schools were getting just like your regular enlisted guys, like DePaul and uh, like USC and South Dakota and Millsaps and Montana School of Mines and there's a long list of schools that are part of the V12 program, but there were only four schools in the V7. Notre, and this is your midshipman program. This is the officers in training. The guys that Notre Dame is going to play on Saturday, this is that caliber. The guys that are going to go on to be lieutenants and colonels and generals. And at Cornell, Notre Dame, Northwestern, and Villanova. Now, what do all four of those schools have in common? They're all private. And at the time, Notre Dame was an all-male school. They are strategically located close to the Great Lakes. Villanova to, the, to Philadelphia. Cornell to a, uh, I think, a major river and a Great Lake. Northwestern on a Great Lake. This is not something that's they just did out of the goodness of their heart. This is something that they did strategically. And it's fine. But you do not owe a life debt because... You think that 
they did it to save you. Like, like you were the one school. You were the special one. You were not special. There is a, are you a, you were as special as Franklin and Marshall College, as Emory and Henry, as freaking the Stevens Institute of Technology, as Tufts College. They're all in there. This is what happened during the war, and it's fine. It was one of the few things that Father Hesburgh did that was wrong, is that saying what he did, they would schedule them every year. I, thanks to my partner here, Jude, have actually come around in the whole drop Navy completely. Now I firmly believe Notre Dame should play Navy once every four years. I would be okay with once every other year, but once every four years, which allows you to still have every every class play the Naval Academy. And you can bring out all that history, all that tradition talk, all of the, the goody feels that everyone wants to talk about in this game once every four years, rather than it being a monotonous, here we go, it's this week again this year. It, it just seems, it, maybe it'd be more exciting. Maybe it'd be more something to look forward to than it is now. And I mean this in absolutely no disrespect at all to the Naval Academy. That is not what this is about. I have nothing but respect, mutual respect for the Naval Academy. Look, I have said, I, I like watching armed for, the Armed Forces play. Air Force, Army, Navy. They, these are schools that I, if they're on my television, I will turn and watch those football games because I enjoy the brand of football that they play. And I just like the way they play. I like that they play every, <laughs> I mean, every down is the last out. I mean, they play tough. So, I mean, no disrespect. In fact, I take offense for them when people, you know, in the media, especially on broadcasts, do nothing but talk about these guys, like, outside of the football field. We're watching a football game. These are football players. Respect them. They're good football players. They win a lot of games. Let's talk to them about them as they're football players, not like they're some superhero general right now. These are kids that are out there playing a game and they're playing their asses off against guys that are twice their size. Let's talk about that more. You know, that, <laughs> that these guys can ball out. But they just, the constant, constant beating the drum of, it, it happens in every broadcast, but Notre, Dame, Notre Dame's broadcasts really get the special treatment. Now, maybe that changes when ESPN takes over for CBS next year. We'll be in Ireland, so there would be a whole lot of nonsense. But that's my rant. I mean, that's all I really got to say about it. Play Navy once every four years. Notre Dame is not special. There is a long list of schools that were in the same boat, and there are strategic reasons why they were in the V7 school. I mean, there weren't even girls on campus. The Navy was super happy about that. So keep that in mind. And that's what I mean. And that's about it. So Jude, what do you got to say? Um, I feel like our players always get hurt during Navy game is become the new green jerseys are unlucky. And it's really starting to bother me. I, I think it's a lazy, lazy take. First of all, um, people get hurt in every game. Um, we play Navy. What's that? That's Julian Aquara. That's Julian Aquara. That's right. Uh, we do play Navy every year, so there's this there's a year to year consistency where we can kind of go back and look at it or whatever. 
look, the Joe Schmidt injury in 2014 was major. And I think that you could make a very strong argument that it derailed that season. Um, you know, could he have heard he could have he uh, broken his leg in uh, any team again besides Navy? Absolutely. OK, um, but I think it's important that in the last five years, there hasn't been a significant injury to emerge from the Navy game. That's been more than a concussion and concussions happen all the freaking time. So I'm really if you want to say, oh, Navy chop blocks and therefore our players are always getting leg injuries or whatever, at least come with a modicum of evidence. Because first of all, chop blocks are illegal. Cut blocks are not illegal, although cut blocks have also been curtailed significantly last year. Um, and make sure that you have all your evidence. Otherwise, I'm just going to accuse you of making a really lazy take because I think it gets ingrained in people's head. Oh, Navy's smaller and therefore they have to cheat their way to victory. And that's really not the case. Okay. I, I agree with so much of that, Jude. Brad, what do you got, bud? Josh, do you think um, you'll be distributing the slides and notes to that lecture before the final, or should I have been taking notes? <laughs> <laughs> no, how I'm would you? How, I'm, I'm kidding. Hey, how would you like? How would you like being a lecturer? And listen, oh, keep, I, keep keep in mind that I that I am I am a I am a, I'm Italian Sicilian, and the whole time. I was creating a like a fucking hurricane in here with all my arm movement. <laughs> how'd you like how would you like to see that? I feel like I could have I could I could kind of hear it actually. <laughs> Every now and then I hear it like a like a hand drop on the desk and I'm like, yep, he's talking with you. <laughs> but but you seem to talk to myself. I, I agree though. I, I agree. I, I think the play navy once every four years thing is brilliant. And even even then it's not so necessary. I think we've made a lot of good points about that. Um, I'm going to divert away from that for a little bit and, and mention oh, that uh, <laughs> Notre Dame, the men's basketball team played tonight. They beat Howard 79 to 50. Uh, if you were following the Twitter, I believe Pat Rick was tweeting live tweeting the game. I think that was tonight. Um, and as, as well as his Wi-Fi would let him. So hopefully everybody followed along with that and has uh, noticed the basketball team. I think they're a little bit underrated right now. Yeah, I agree. And I did love Pat's tweet about uh, how about Howard being one man. Yeah. <laughs> I was one man doing this. <laughs> uh, Pat. Pat and his brilliance. I don't know how he does it. We uh, That was kind one of a mad scramble. Uh, full disclosure, I thought the game was tomorrow night. And then as soon as uh, tip-offs happened and I, I saw the first tweet from uh uh from al i'm like yeah oh crap <laughs> I'm like oh my god this is tonight not tomorrow is anyone watching at? this uh but uh but we, we came up we came around that pretty good early season november basketball's uh uh especially you know since notre dame's been good 2016 yeah. it was easy to get to, to uh shift over to the hoops yeah. uh but yeah the, i think you're right and I will add on top of that, Notre Dame hockey on yes. fire, man, on fire. They went up to Minnesota and got four points two weeks ago. This last weekend, swept Ohio State at home. Look, they were down a goal with two, two and a half minutes left on Friday night. Got that, won in overtime. They were down again in the, th in the third, uh, in the second game on Saturday. Came back, won that. If you, I mean, if you guys are looking for something exciting to watch, Notre Dame hockey has has been on the top, top end of of elite 
uh, over the last three, four years. Um, really something good. And, uh, and like men's basketball being underrated, watch those guys this year. And, but also pay attention to the hockey team. A lot of it's on TV, y'all. If you got NBC sports and the big 10 network, you're going to see a lot of Notre Dame hockey. on. So uh, pay attention. All right. I think that's it guys. So, uh, it was great to get the Triforce back together. Go Irish beat midshipmen. Yep. Go Irish. Go Irish. Oh.